he who was rich beyond all, beyond all splendor, for our sakes became poor, that in him we might be rich. He who was strong enough to create the heavens and the earth became weak, so that in him we might have strength for life in this life and in the life to come. And so we give thanks. Amen. Please be seated. Friends, I want to speak to you about wickedness in the world today. I'm sure that you will agree with me that there are many nasty and evil people around. The world is full of cheats and tyrants and crooks and swindlers and rogues and liars. There are so many people who do not love their fellow human beings, and I hate people like that. I think that God should punish all of these nasty people. I really do. Don't you? Of course you do. Now, that's how a typical sermon might have begun from the prophet Jonah. Well, having heard quite a few of Jonah's rants, the Lord one day decided to have a quiet word with him. Jonah, he said, I'm very angry and upset with the people of Nineveh. In fact, I'm so angry that I'm going to punish them. At that point, Jonah rubbed his hands with glee. Great. Unless, says the Lord, unless they have a change of heart. Hmm. Fat chance of that happening, mutters Jonah. Sin City, that's what I call Nineveh. In fact, says the Lord, I want you to go and warn them. Excuse me? You heard, Jonah? I want you to go and warn them so that they will mend their ways and then I won't have to punish them. Jonah stamps his foot. But they deserve to be punished. They must be punished. I want them to be punished. Jonah, do as I say. Get up and go east to Nineveh. So Jonah gets up and goes west towards Tarshish. Jonah uh, boards a boat. That will take him there. During the voyage, God sends a terrible storm. The wind howls and the waves crash against the boat. Everyone on the boat is terrified that they will drown. This storm is all my fault, exclaims Jonah to the sailors. God is angry with me for trying to run away from him. Pick me up and throw me overboard and then God will calm the storm. So that's what they do. Pick Jonah up. One, two, three. Splash. But the Lord provides a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah is inside the fish for three days and three nights. A nice long time to have a think. 
So while he's inside the fish, Jonah collects his thoughts and he prays. As it stands, it's rather a good prayer. But you know, it could have been much better. So do you have a Bible open? Uh, Please do. At uh, Jonah chapter 2, which is Jonah's prayer, it is on page, it's a page after 926. It's one of those pages without a page number. Or the page before 928. Whatever page number that would be. Well, it's sort of end of term time, isn't it? And I wonder how many children have come from school, young people from college or university, with some kind of report to the effect of, it's okay, but he or she could do better. And that's the report that I'm afraid we're going to have to give to Jonah. Good, but actually not good enough. Let me try to explain. Number one, it's good that Jonah prayed when he was in trouble. So chapter 2, verses 2 and verse 7, we hear Jonah saying, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Yep, Jonah prayed to the Lord. And of course, not everyone turns to God in times of extreme danger. Apparently, when black box voice recorders are recovered from planes that have crashed, it's often found that the last words of the crew are not prayers, but curses. And then we know, too, that of the two criminals who were crucified alongside Jesus, only one prayed, while the other hurled insults at him. Not Everyone prays when in distress, but Jonah did. That's a tick in the box. So it's good that Jonah prayed when he was in trouble. However, it would have been even better if he had prayed sooner. In chapter 1 and verse 4 and following, when the storm threatened to break up the ship, we read that all the sailors were afraid and each cried to his own God. The captain, however, went to Jonah and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Jonah, uh, and within a few verses, these heathens are calling on the one true God, Jonah's God. Jonah, on the other hand, hasn't even started praying yet. Isn't there a bit of Jonah in many of us? Certainly in me. We go to God not as our first, but as our final resort. (laughs) When all else fails, pray. You know, it's the kind of what I call the the flat pack formula for prayer. You know what I mean? You know, when all flat pack furniture, when all else fails, read the instructions. <laughs> when all else fails, pray. But scripture says, Philippians chapter four, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Does it work? Well, 
And the peace of God, says Paul, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And a hymn that I think we'll be singing at the end of our service this evening says, uh, it prompts us to say, that, to say these words. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So it's good to pray in an emergency, but better still to make it a continual, and here's a word that Hillary used, a continual conversation with God, and not just a button to press in case of emergency. Number two, it's good that Jonah's doctrine was sound. And boy, his doctrine was sound. His CV was nearly word perfect in this regard. Chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9, he says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Whoa, that's good, solid theology. In chapter 4 and verse 2, he says to the Lord that all along, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He knows a lot about God, and it's jolly good stuff. And, of course, the New Testament strongly endorses the importance of sound doctrine. Paul tells the young minister Titus that church leaders must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that they can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So Jonah's doctrine was sound, and that's good. However, it would have been much better if Jonah had put his doctrine into practice. There is, in fact, a gaping chasm between Jonah's creed and Jonah's conduct, between his beliefs and his behavior, between his principles and his practice. Look at chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9. He knows that those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But he doesn't seem willing to lift a finger to lift to bring God's message of grace to them. He understands that salvation is from the Lord, but he wants to hang on to it for himself. And it is very possible to find such an attitude today, even within our own hearts. We happily recite the creed. We cheerfully sing songs celebrating Christ's saving work. But it never occurs to us to tell our friends, our neighbors, or colleagues, or enemies about Jesus James chapter 1 and verse 22 says famously, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So yes, it's good to have sound doctrine, but we must never forget to practice what we preach. Number three, 
it's good that Jonah's gratitude was so heartfelt. Chapter 2 and verses 2, 6 and 9, we read the following sorts of words. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you, Lord, listened to my cry. You brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you because he was delivered from the belly of the great fish. Yeah, he was very thankful, full of gratitude for God's deliverance. Jesus once healed 10 men of leprosy. Do you remember how many came back to thank him? Just the one. And Jesus was astonished that only one of the 10 bothered to come back and say, thank you. So Jonah did say thank you. He was, had to have a heart of gratitude. That's good. So it's good that Jonah's gratitude was so heartfelt. However, it would have been even better if his gratitude had overflowed in concern for others. When something good has happened to you, you've passed an exam, you've gained promotion, you've just about to go off or just come back from a nice holiday, you just had one or two beautiful grandchildren born to you by your, children, your own children, somebody just told, told you a good joke, any of the above, and something good has happened to you, it's surely the most natural thing in the world to want to share it with others. Afterwards, what are all, after all, what are these shops full of cards full of about sending these kind of greetings and thanks backwards and forwards? But Jonah had no interest, certainly at this time, in sharing his good fortune of God's grace with others. He's only interested in himself. In fact, this chapter contains words like I and me over 20 times. At no point does he pray or show any concern for others. Look again at Jonah's attitude towards idol worshippers in chapter 2 and verse 9. He disapproves. We're good at disapproving of things, aren't we? We're good at disapprovers, we Christians. And Jonah's the same. He knows how to wag his finger at these idol worshippers. But he he expresses no concern that they might, in the words of Paul to the the Thessalonians, no concern that they might turn from their idols to serve the living and the true God. There is, however, an overflow of of the psalmist's heart in Psalm 66, when the psalmist cries out, Come and listen. All you who fear God, let me tell you what he has done for me. The pattern that Jesus laid down is freely you have received, freely give. If God has been good to you, and God has been good to you, hasn't he? Don't keep it to yourself. It's good to be grateful to God for all that he's done for us. But it's even better when our gratitude overflows in generous concern that others might be equally blessed by God. 
Next week, we'll see that Jonah has finally been dragged, kicking and screaming, to the place of obedience. But for the time being, let's determine to make prayer a regular conversation, there's that word again, with the sovereign Lord, and not just another emergency service. Let's resolve to honour God not only with our heads, with our doctrine, but also with our hands and our hearts. Let's make up our minds that having having received so many good things from God, we will make it our duty, our responsibility, our privilege and our joy to share generously with others. Let's give Jonah one more time to start that sermon of his. One more chance. Friends, I want to speak to you about the love and compassion that God has for all people, wherever they may live and however wicked they may be. I'm going to ask each of you to think of just one person you know, perhaps the person you like least, or the one you think is furthest from the kingdom of God. And I'm going to ask you to pray for that person right now, just quietly and in your heart, and ask that God will use you to bring that person to a knowledge of Jesus our Saviour. Let us pray. Amen. I think Mike now will continue leading our intercessions.